0: Welcome to Pennycast, where we catch up with a range of interesting people exploring themes around the four pillars of financial freedom, growing wealth, family, protection, and community, and providing ideas and inspiration to live a more meaningful life. Hi, I'm Alan Thorne, and I'm delighted you could join us for the latest edition of Pennycast, the podcast by Penny Financial Partners. Now we all know that money is what makes the world go round, whether you have lots of it or not enough, it is the thing that statistically we worry about more than anything else in our lives, more than our health, more than our family. Although in many ways, all of these are often linked to how we feel about money and our own financial situation. However, despite its fundamental place in all of our lives, it's a subject that we don't really talk about enough, particularly at a young age and the impact of this could last a lifetime. Today, I'm joined by Rob Hawkins, our business development consultant at Penny Financial Partners, to talk about the importance of financial education and some of those important principles that could be literally life changing if embedded at an early age. So, Rob, welcome to our podcast. Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. So, Rob, you've worked in financial services for many years, so you must have plenty of experience of working with people who would have potentially benefited from a better
1: financial education? I've I've never heard somebody say quite so politely, Alan, that you must be very old, (laughs) (laughs) having worked in financial services for many years. But but yes, I I have indeed some 34 years. And um, 23 years of that was spent working for, St James's Place. And one of the things that I'm most proud of during my tenure there was that I actually introduced the financial education program to the organization. So we worked with uh, one particular local school, uh, Deer Park School in Cirencester, uh, t- to try and get our financial education program off the ground. And you know, it, it wasn't easy. Um, trying to engage with teachers and educators is not straightforward. Most schools were unresponsive. I guess they were very busy with other things. And as I'm sure we'll talk about in due course, you know, their focus is very much the national curriculum and what they've got to do to get their students to pass their exams. And so the school climbs climbs up the league table. But, um, it was really hard, as I say, to to get schools to engage with us on financial education, even though we were offering them something completely free of charge uh, that would uh, we believed would really help young people. But, you know, one school led to two schools and two schools led to four schools. And I think that's called compounding, which we may talk about <laughs> later. Um, um, and and now, you know, roll roll the clock forward sort of 10 years or so, now the financial education initiative that St. James's Place have has been rolled out to partner practices. So I get the chance to be involved again through Penny Financial Partners, which is great. But, but my view is that, you know, we're all looking for financial well-being and understanding the key principles of how money works as early as possible can be invaluable in achieving that. But just to just think about one of the comments you made in the intro about money being one of our biggest worries. One of the things I have learned over the last um, 34 years is that financial well-being isn't linked to how much money you have. Um, You know history is littered with people that have had all the money in the world but then lost it and you know it doesn't matter how much money you earn either. Uh, In fact around about 43% of those earning more than 100 grand a year would admit that they wouldn't last for three months if they lost their job. Now, 100 grand a year is quite a high earning, so only to be only let, be able to last for three months isn't great, you know. But if you drop that earning down to a low earner, someone who's just earning, you know, just under 15 grand, the that 43% figure only raises to just over 50%. So it isn't about how much money you earn, it's not about how much money you've got, it's about the plans that you make. Now at at the risk of it sounding like a disclaimer I guess Alan you know understanding about money and establishing good habits early isn't actually a guarantee that you'll achieve financial well-being but it is going to put you in the best possible position to achieve that. And so, so when we're talking about financial
0: education and I know we're going to look about some of the principles and so on and so forth but you were involved in a program at St James's Place. You've now, and as we know, um, this is something that uh, is is, it, is an issue very dear to the hearts of uh, of Penny Financial Partners as well. As um, so, what did what does that look like? What is the financial education program that you guys put in um, when you with St James's Place and with PFP? Um, you know, in terms of the kind of workshops that you would do, or so on and so
1: forth. What kind of work would you do? How would that what what would that look like? Well, one of the things again that we, we we may we may touch on later on is the financial education program predominantly is aimed at young people in schools, but there is also a financial education in the workplace uh program where you're looking at more young adults that are just starting off in their careers that need to understand tax and national insurance, pension contributions, those sorts of things. So the different um There are different approaches depending on who the audience is. You know, people as young as seven years old will um, form lasting money habits, you know, at that very tender age. So the earlier you can get to young people, the better. So, you know, we have a program that is designed for primary school children. We have a program designed for uh, secondary school children. We have a program designed for uh, A-level students and uh, university students and then of course there's, there's the um, education in the workplace for, for young adults just starting off. So you know very different programs aimed at very different audiences but when you strip it all back it's really about developing good financial habits early. That, that's the principle. And so I mean before we talk about what some of those habits are I mean I just I just wanted to watch,
0: you know why do we not as a society you know what it's a very interesting thing and I touched on this in the intro in terms of you know it's so fundamental to our lives and yet you know I read uh, I, I you know I read recently that parents would are more comfortable talking about sex than they are talking about money with their children I mean so I mean I mean, I know you don't. You may or may not have a definitely a response to this, but I just wonder why is it that we don't talk about money? And I know this isn't just something because I know as a business and the conversations that we've had previously around you know wealth management and and the and the business and the service that Penny Financial Partners offers, um, they often find that families don't talk about money. You know, it just seems to be something that's just just um, just not something that we like to discuss.
1: No, I think that might be a generational thing. Um, certainly, my parents would never have talked about money with me. I had no idea um, how much my father earned, for example, when he was working. And, but I knew not to ask. Um, but I think as we come through the generations, from you know my parents to myself to to younger people, I think that probably is changing a little bit. But it is still a very taboo subject. You are right. And. A lot of the big banks are heavily involved in financial education, you know, to their credit. Uh, and uh, there's one that, uh, you know, runs advertising uh, campaigns on the TV, uh, say, let's talk about money, you know, let's not be embarrassed about it. Uh, I, I think younger people are probably more open to it. But, is it a, but it's interesting because we, I think you're probably
0: right there, Robert, I think I'd probably agree with you that young people are more open to it. But of course, we're also moving into a very different society than the one that perhaps we grew up in. Um, I I guess a more cashless society um, that we would see where young people uh, might literally think that cash um, just comes out a hole in the wall, so to speak. So dare I say that importance of talking to young people about money has potentially become even more important and, and, and helping them have a A better understanding of the value of money.
1: Yeah, you you certainly young people certainly need to understand the value of money. You're absolutely right there. And 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 that it can be hard to acquire. And you know, you you need to work and achieve and uh, focus and you know, be make sensible calls and decisions. You know, it doesn't grow on trees. We all know that. But yeah, that's an interesting point. You just put a bit of plastic into a hole in the wall and someone gives you money where where does it come from and what's the consequences of that? Um, I, I think schools have a massive part to play in this and they are getting better. Uh, certainly when we first started financial education out at St James's place, it really wasn't on the curriculum at all. Um, in England now, in secondary schools, through key stages three and four, and for a man of my age, that doesn't mean an awful lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's that the parlance is used these days. I think in citizen, citizenship lessons, you know, they do cover, you know, day to day money management. They do cover budgeting, um, maths as well in key stage three and four. Uh, Some of the questions are starting to be quite practical about percentages and loan repayments and things like that. But, you know, for my money, um, young people still sit around in classrooms learning how uh, oxbow lakes are formed and um, memorizing Pythagoras's theorem. Now, I still remember Pythagoras's theorem. You know, the square of the hypotenuse is equal to the sum of the square of the other two sides. When in my (laughs) life have I ever had to use that? You know it is completely useless in in real life but i do need to know how to complete a tax return i do need to understand the power of compound interest i do need to understand debt and borrowing and i've got to understand tax and national insurance and these things should be on the national curriculum for every child uh, at the moment it's not and so that's why you know people like um, us at penny financial partners we, we we think kids need to learn this stuff and so through a programme of interacting with schools in our local areas for our two main offices in Shrewsbury and Cheltenham, we're talking to schools about going in and talking to their students about these things and helping the students develop good habits early. And and from your experience,
0: Rob, I mean, do you find that young people are, are quite receptive to to the messages that are coming from the financial education workshops that you do. And I ask this because, you know, financial education actually is um, for young people actually can be quite maybe some they're they're hearing things that maybe they don't want to hear. You know, they're they're having to listen to things they don't want to hear, you know, because learning, um, taking responsibility for your your money um, at a young age and maybe having to show some restraint in terms of what you're spending your money on. Um, And I know it's very important that we, whether we're talking about financial education or we're talking about all kinds of different life experiences, sometimes children, um, we have to encourage them to, to learn the hard way, so to speak.
1: I think it's probably incumbent on the person delivering the financial education to make it appealing, Uh, interesting and interactive. I mean, certainly if I went into a classroom of uh, young people and started lecturing them on, you know, um, the maths, mathematics behind compound interest, and it it just is completely dull and boring, then they're going to switch off and not be interested. So we need to find ways that are going to spark their imaginations and, 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 and keep their interest. And by keeping it you know, contemporaneous. Uh, you know what's going on in the world right now. They do tend to relate to it. The last session I did, the um, the, the the most questions I got from the from the class was about um, uh, cryptocurrencies. Right. Now that really wasn't anything to do with what I was trying to talk about but they wanted to talk about it so we talked about it uh, and, and that led on but that led on to a really interesting conversation about risk versus reward
0: and and does that not suggest that their
1: thought process again
0: is about um short-term gratification and ultimately one of the key messages which I'm sure we're going to touch on is is really about that you know that long-term orientation whether from a I mean obviously we talk about this a lot as from as from an investment perspective but uh just things that we would you know things like pensions and savings and so on and so forth thinking about that long-term play um so it doesn't surprise me that young people have that focus on crypto because they can see the potential certainly but maybe not at the moment but certainly historically they've looked and seen that there might be an opportunity to um to get rich quick which may or may not be the best financial education messages for them.
1: No I, but I think you know that was ever loved thus wasn't it I suppose you know even True. when I was a kid mm. it was uh, you know I'm going to be a professional footballer and I'm going to be whatever it is <laughs> these days it's YouTubers and um uh social media influencers I suppose isn't it Indeed. you know to get this kind of get rich quick kind of mentality but um there is a challenge there there is a challenge because you know good financial planning takes time and it looks over the long term it doesn't it isn't about get rich quick schemes it's it's about um looking into the future and building the foundations as early as possible so you can reap the rewards when you need to and talking to young people about pensions for example you know, can be a huge turnoff for them because they're so young and do they, you know, they, they'd look upon somebody, you know, who's thinking of drawing a pension as ancient and they've got plenty of time to worry about that. But that's where we start to talk to them about, you know, what is this thing called compound interest? Why will it benefit for them to think about doing something sooner rather than later? Um, and And to try and illustrate that the thing about compound interest is it really starts to have a massive impact later down the line you know if you are paying into some kind of long term savings vehicle whether that be a pension or something else you know it's not till the 20 30 40 year mark that you really see that huge uptick because of compound interest you know you've got to get through the dull and boring years at the beginning to get to the sexy exciting years at the end and sometimes that penny just drops and they go, "Ah, oh, OK, and they start thinking about what they do. You know, are they a saver? Or are they a spender? You know, if they're a saver, how do they save? Where do they save? How much do they save? What are they saving for? Um, and just start to get them to think about, well, maybe, you know, some of the money that I do get from a little part time job or my pocket money or whatever, I should be putting away to one side. To be able to purchase things that I want in the future. And, and that might not be 40 years down the line, it might be three or five years down the line, but they're still getting into that good habit. And it's interesting that just to just to just to row back just
0: a moment there, you just talked about pensions and we talked about um, financial education for, for adults as well. And clearly, something around pensions, something again that we've talked, we've, we've done a lot of work around with you know, and you do a lot of work at Penny that people you know we've we've discussed previously these examples of people are getting to middle age and certainly we know this is a huge issue for women particularly because of the their different life journeys potentially as the men but we're getting into it where people aren't really appreciating how important it is to to really be focusing on a pension at the earliest possible age so that you know yes it's a great message for young people but I'm, I'm guessing that there's still some a lot of work to do for people a lot older when it comes to ensuring they've got the provision they need in later life.
1: Absolutely I think you know things are getting better in that area as well um, with things like auto enrolment now where you know your employer has to offer you um, membership of a pension scheme but you don't have to accept you know and we've we've sat in front of people that said, oh, yeah, no, I I, I declined that because I was going to have to put money into it. It's like, whoa, well, hang on a minute. Do you really understand the, the implications of the decision you just made there? And, you know, to try and talk them out of that decision, if you like, and, and, and say, no, you need to opt back into this scheme and here's why. But you are right to call out um, uh, women because, you know, a lot of women will give up, Work to fulfil family commitments for maybe sometimes forever, but sometimes for a period of time, which means they're always going to be making up for lost time. Um, you know, and if they don't do something about it, um, not only are they losing out on their allowances and reliefs that are theirs to use, but they will. But that is the reason why uh, you know a, a woman's pension fund is is a fraction of a man's on average, is because of that career break um and so whether you're working or whether you're not working it is still possible to pay into a pension Uh, and i you know i would urge everybody to 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 take advice on that subject and and think very carefully about maintaining that um uh maintaining their pension contributions even though they they may be taking a career break fantastic rob so i mean rob thank you for for joining us today on this podcast Thank you, Alan. It's been a real pleasure and I hope to speak to you again soon.
0: We've been talking about financial education for young people and how it's improved over the years. And I'm absolutely delighted that we're also joined today for this latest edition of Pennycast by uh, two young ladies who've joined Penny Financial Partners on the Work Experience Programme uh, this week. So we've got... Um, Viola Suri from Church Treton School and we've also got Eloise Hughes who's currently on a gap year and um, I believe she's she's going off to university in September. So, so I'm delighted they're here it gives us an opportunity to to speak to people who are really at the um, at the business end of, of this this topic that we're discussing today, which is about how do we improve the financial education for young people and ultimately what's the current state of play in terms of financial education. So the first bit, well, first of all, I want to say welcome to 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 you both. So thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, so Eloise, I wanted to come to you first. Now, um, you're slightly older. Um, mm-hmm. I think, as you say, you're, you're off to university soon. So you've been through the school system. So I just wondered if you could give us a bit of an insight into your experience of financial financial education and whether there was any whether there was ever any kind of formal financial education or was there or even informal financial education from your experience when you were going
2: through school. Um, To be brutally honest, I don't remember any form of financial education, the closest that I could remember was in primary school. They set up like a business project where they gave us, we were in groups of five, I think, and they gave us each a pound. And at the end of it, we had a school fair and we had to run the stall. And it was whichever store like raised the most money at the end of it. Most of us just broke even. Um, oh. <laughs> some of us went and brought sweets. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that's the closest I can remember. I spoke to my mum because my mum's a teacher and she was head of PCH. I, I can't remember the acronym the yeah, pchSE I think
0: yes actually, is it maybe yes. as in the personal development PHSC. yes, yes yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: exactly because she went to my secondary school she was the teacher there she was head of it there so i said I was like did they do anything with me because I don't remember anything because we used to call it learning for life which is why I don't know the acronym um <laughs> And she was like, well, they should have, because it was on the national, like, specification. She was like, we have lessons set, but really it was only about a couple of lessons that I should have got. And when I had those learning for life lessons, I only had them once a fortnight anyway. So even if I did have those lessons, which I don't remember having, my mum's very adamant that she gave them, but (laughs) I don't remember having them, so...
0: And so I think that's a, an experience that we've heard before, which is while it's increasingly um, on the curriculum, or certainly there's an opportunity on the curriculum, it's very much at the discretion of the schools in terms mm-hmm. of how much financial education um, lessons they will deliver. So that's certainly your experience in terms of it was possibly, probably, maybe um, mm-hmm. on your curriculum when you were at school, but you certainly have. So so whether it was on whether you had the lessons or not, it certainly didn't they weren't sufficiently um, impactful that you remember them. Exactly.
2: Uh, I don't think <clears> the impression <throat> was made proportionately <clears throat> to how important I think it is.
0: Indeed. Indeed. And so, and so before we go on to how important you think it is, which I think is, is a really key point which we're going to cover, I just wanted to come to, to Viola. So Viola, you're at Church Dretton School at the moment. Am I right in thinking you're just coming to the end of Year 10?
3: Yeah, I'm... Um... Mm. year 11 so
0: GCSEs are coming up soon GCSEs are coming up well good luck with those um so you're still within the school system and I think as we've discussed it earlier in this podcast certainly our our impression is that things are getting better and and obviously Eloise has said she was supposed to have some financial education but she education lessons but she can't remember them so what's your experience what was your experience Viola
3: um I think we definitely did have some form of education because I can remember in year seven we played this game and everyone got a different job like on a piece of paper and you had different amounts of salaries according to what job you had so the dentist earned quite a lot and I remember I was like something ridiculous like a gardener and I didn't have very much income and then we had to with our salary like purchase different things and have rent and pay taxes but okay. I just remember it, it wasn't like completely realistic because I still managed to get a car quite a nice flat and all these different like Netflix premium packages despite the fact I was on in the class
0: and so the exercise was really about budgeting ultimately about taking a salary and what could you fundamentally afford from that and working out what were your priorities, I guess, in terms of, you know, this is the x amount of money you've got and what would your priorities be with that money?
3: Yeah, and since then, we've had absolutely nothing come up for us, which I think it's actually more important that now we're at an older age and we do actually understand a little bit more about how money works, that we have some sort of lesson, but we don't have anything in place at the moment, which is really upsetting, so.
0: and so on that, and I think, I mean, you're absolutely right. Certainly, I would certainly agree with that. And I think, you know, from my own experience of working with um working with penny financial partners, certainly one of the one of the great things of working in the industry is it does encourage you then to try and share that with just try and share some of those good habits and good that knowledge with with your family. But of course, not everybody has that opportunity of, of working with in the financial services sector. So, I mean, they do say, and we have discussed this previously, but, you know, families, one of the last things that families talk about is money. You know, it's one of the things, it's a bit of a taboo subject. Now, obviously, you know, I have have children very similar ages to yourselves. And yes, we have talked more about money recently than perhaps we would have done historically. But usually those conversations are much more about can they have some? as opposed to um you know what they should necessarily do with it so you know just as from your experience as as growing up and and again I'll I'll go to I'll speak to you first Eloise if you would you know talking about money and talking about money issues rather than just can I have some um is that a conversation that you, you you've ordinarily had within your family
2: yeah I think uh, my mum's gonna go become a star of this podcast eventually (laughs) um I grew up with my mum as a single mum she had me at 18 and um there's a big age gap between me and my siblings because she had me so young so I have my experience of getting my first bank account I went on my 16th birthday and she took me to the bank I got my bank account and um now my brother has just turned 12 and he's just got his first bank account so it's interesting to watch the same people do the same things that I did but I don't remember it like that <laughs> my mum has always said that money is private but it's not secret okay that's what I was always brought up with that's what she's telling my brother now so I've always been told you know you shouldn't really go around and tell people what's in your bank account because that's not the done thing um but you know, if I ever needed anything from mum, I could always show mum what's in my bank account. That's how I grew up. But also my mum's a really strong believer in every aspect of life, that kids need to make their own mistakes and they need to make their own decisions. I never got a talk of this is how you should spend money. This is what you should do. It was always, uh, well, this is your money and you spend it as you want. And so it meant up until this point, you know, I've learned that spending money on sweets that I eat in five seconds, isn't worth it (laughs) and so it means (laughs) when I started full-time work after leaving school on this gap year, she did sit me down and she did say you know you're going to get bigger income now well income I didn't have income before (laughs) Uh, she was that I want you to first pay me rent so I pay rent as a percentage of my income because that's kind of reflective I guess of you know the percentage of income that she pays towards our main rent. So, I pay um, a percentage of rent. I pay 15%. Well, no, I don't. I pay 10 now. I used to pay 15%. I've negotiated. That's very uh,
0: generous. That's very generous of, of your yeah. mum.
2: <laughs> and then I, she's always said to me, you need to put at least 10% into a savings account. But I've always put more, like 75% into my savings account. But that's and a personal decision I've made.
0: And just, and just touching on that, is that something that you've done? From a very early age and you know with things like pocket money christmas money birthday money would you always perhaps save a percentage of that and that's something that just came from within or is that something that's come as you've got older
2: it's definitely something that's come as i've got older i didn't grow up with like pocket money you know what was my money was always mine so whenever i got it at birthday or christmas you know sometimes i would keep it until i wanted to get something that i wanted but i don't think i ever grew up with like a saving mentality it was only once I earned enough money, I was like, well, I can't, I can't spend it all. <laughs> well, and, I probably could have if I tried really hard.
0: <laughs> and so that's, I mean, that's really interesting. So, you know, so, so you've got, even though it's a little bit later and now, so now mm. that it really matters, and of course we would argue that it matters from the very earliest stage, but now that you're moving into, into adulthood and... know all the costs associated with moving away I don't know I don't where is it you're off to university?
2: Cardiff.
0: And so you are moving away so you're not going to be staying at home so you've got all of that stuff to come so you appear to have got yourself into some quite strong positive habits as you move you know in in that direction which is which is excellent to hear so so Viola obviously you're, you're you're much younger I mean can I ask Viola first and foremost do you have um do you have a Saturday job or anything like that? Because I know my daughter's your age and she's certainly looking for a Saturday job at the moment. It certainly it feels like that. You're at the age at the moment where where people are looking to certainly, you know, teenagers are looking to perhaps get a bit more income.
3: Um I do. I have a part-time job at the moment. I'm on a bit of a okay. break, but I work in hospitality, so okay, that's my income. Um
0: and and so the, so the actual, so going back to the main question, which was about talking about money with your parents, I mean, have you ever been under pressure, I say under pressure, you know, they, I, I don't like to say but parents, but their children are under pressure, but you know what I mean, when you were younger, have your parents ever spoke to you about the importance of saving and things like budgeting if you wanted to buy something um would it be a case of well if you've spent all your money you can't have it or, or how you know how, do you talk about money with your parents or have you done over you know while you've been growing up.
3: um I think they definitely taught me to budget so at Christmas time I would count how much money I'd want to spend in total and I'd split it between each family member and it was sort of the same for over the course of the year i calculate like a a goal of how much I wanted to earn, but obviously when I was younger the goal was a lot lower because it was more pocket money rather than an actual job that I was going to and working at. Um, But I don't really think that we talk about money like a lot, I think that they just kind of told me that saving is better than spending. So I've recognised that my weakness is going out with friends and shopping because I tend to be quite an impulsive buyer. So I just avoid that if I'm trying to save money. But um, when I actually put my mind to it and I'm saving for something, I I can do it really well because I've been taught that that actually has a better outcome than spending everything you have all at once.
0: We touched on this previously um, about you know, your experience at school, and we talked about um, the conversations that you had or you haven't had with your parents, but I think just looking forward, do you think, again, thinking about your own experiences and thinking about the experiences of your friends and, and the people around you, do you think there's still more to do? And you think this from a school perspective in terms of there should be more formal lessons around financial education and there should be, it should be easier for people to leave school feeling confident that they've got the good financial habits.
3: I remember I was sitting in a chemistry class and someone spent like it was either 200 or 300 pounds on like a hoodie and I just remember thinking why would you ever do that but a lot of like terms like an ISA or just technical terms we don't understand at our age because it hasn't been taught to us and all those skills of like being able to budget and work out how much tax you need to pay we don't have because it hasn't been taught to us and I think that's really important because why am I being taught really stupid things like I don't know in maths for example I really don't like maths I'm being taught like CERDs but I'm never going to use a CERD outside of school but I'm not being taught like basically how to have a good successful financial future
0: exactly right exactly well that's great you know that's great to hear you think that and we and let's hope that things do um you know continue to improve which they clearly are um but obviously that it, it would appear that there's certainly much more to do so um both of you i'd just like to thank you so much for joining me today um in this edition of pennycast um i'm wishing you all the very best and i hope you've enjoyed your time as well at penny financial partners um, Eloise, good luck on your, your university journey that you'll be beginning later this year, and um, and Viola, um, all the very best in your GCSEs next year as well. So, thank you ever so much for for joining me today, and I um, hopefully we'll, we'll catch up again one day soon. Thank you for
2: having me. Yes, thank you for having
3: me.